Hello. Hello. How's it going, everyone? I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And this is your favorite podcast, Going your Off Track. Fav- oh, oh, Going Off Track, right? Yes. This is your favorite podcast, Going Off Track. Yes. <laughs> We've got special guests in the studio that does not want to speak. <laughs> but he's nodding. Nodding his head. And now he's yeah. nodding no. Okay. okay. Um, I'm not going to tell you who it is. You can speculate. You'll never guess. Yes. So before this podcast started... Uh, I got a text message from my friend who is a stripper. Can I see it again? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, she sent me a photo of her um, basically in her underwear with hugging Flavor Flav. And it said, my job is so cool, <laughs> which is true. I, I think it is a pretty you, cool job. <clears throat> he still has the clock. Yeah, he's got the clock I, on. She is in her underwear. Yeah. Um I have a Flavor Flav story. <laughs> Brad was like, I have a Flavor Flav story. And I was like, great, this will be a, a great segue. <laughs> Which is, uh, oh my God, when was this? This is early 90s. I worked at a studio called Platinum Island. And uh, Flavor Flav came in. He he was coming in to like, guest on somebody else's record. This is a pretty awesome studio. Like a lot of big name artists came through there. But... um. And when he was there, he taped a $20, he wrote, he signed a $20 bill and he taped it up on the studio wall. And the assistant was like, oh, what, what's going on? Why are you doing this? He said, well, you know, someday I may be back here and I may need this. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Did he come back? So that was like his MO. He went around. That's whenever, wherever he went. He taped up $20 bills. That so, is so funny. Judging by that picture, I'd say maybe he might be, he might be returning and collecting. Yeah, those. I'm sure he spent a lot of twenty dollar bills that this, the other night. <laughs> he doesn't seem like a kind of guy to be like. Eh. Our guest is shaking his head. I'm gonna you save this mic. to my four hundred one k. He leaves twenty dollars at strip clubs in singles. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you can't go back for that. Though. No, you probably can't. I don't think he signed him. No. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Hi. Hey. Happy Friday. Yeah, today's a Friday. Um, Not for you, unless, you know, you're listening to this on a Friday. Yeah. You can listen to this whenever you want. That's the beauty of podcasts. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, today on the podcast, we have uh, Craig Finn, singer for The Hold Steady, and a solo artist. He is from Minneapolis, but lives in Brooklyn now, and a guest host. Benny from the Gaslight Anthem. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And Benny and Craig are really good friends. So um, Benny hooked this up. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Craig's a super nice dude. You know Benny was on it, so you know it's going to be good, but it's Yeah, that is good. true. Craig is really smart. Has he has a smart. lot to say. And uh, he has a new, his second solo album came out in September. It is called Faith in the Future. You should get that. Um, obviously... Check out the Hold Steady. And you know what's crazy is uh, we talk about in the podcast one of the Hold Steady songs is um, in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I've watched about like 20 hours of Game of Thrones this week. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started like last week and I'm already like done with season three almost. I've, just, I've been like just watching it during the day. Like, in, like I'll like finish something with work. I'll be like, oh, okay, I can watch three episodes. I think I'm on season three right now. Yeah. I'm like halfway through or I've something. I've been blazing through it. But yeah. Have you seen the show, the episode where their their yeah, songs yeah, on yeah. it? It's it's like after such a fucking intense thing, and then it just goes black, and like the whole stage yeah. starts playing. It's pretty cool. 
They recorded it here. We t- I mean, we oh, talked right. about Oh, right. Yeah, they recorded it here. That's yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. Here at Converse Rubber Tracks. Here at Converse Rubber Tracks. Which is, um, we don't usually do that kind of stuff, as you know, but it was a special uh, special thing we did on Off Hours. Wow. For them. That's pretty, yeah, it sounded great. Yeah. Did you engineer that? I did not engineer it. I don't engineer anymore. Really? I never did unless I had to. Yeah. I don't consider myself an engineer. I mean, I, I can engineer. I have the skill set, but I'm definitely not. Like whenever I would have it, in, when I was still producing people, if I had got an important project, I would hire an engineer like Jamie Candeloro, one of my favorite engineers. Hey, Jamie, do you listen to this? I don't think so. The thing I didn't <laughs> like, you know, I went to school for audio production. The thing I didn't like about engineering was like, uh, like I couldn't get something to work and there'd be like, 4,000 buttons and then someone be like oh yeah this one thing's pressed and nothing works <laughs> and it'd be like follow the signal channel I'm like yeah like but it's like I just I don't know I'm not good with knobs and but like some people are not good at it that's just not my you can be a good producer not, and be a terrible engineer yeah it's not intuitive to me yeah you need to you need a yeah you need to like have a sort of you need to be good with maps it's funny are you good with maps uh no terrible okay there you go <laughs> Sometimes we'll have like people, musicians in here who like do a lot of recording and uh, I'll be like, yeah, all right, it's all set up. Like I just need to get someone to start it. And they're like, yeah, just hit record and play. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. I just want, don't want to mess because I guarantee not, you. Just say I'm not in the union. Yeah, I, I will find. Yeah, I'm not in the union. I'll find a way to mess it up somehow. The most simple there thing. There are, you might, do you, yeah, there are people that definitely have that skill. Like I'm in love and married to one of them. Yeah. Uh I used to work with this producer who, like, very talented producer, amazing songwriter, and actually did a lot of his own recording, but I, I was convinced that he actually had some kind of electrical charge in his body because he could do things to his computer that I couldn't do, that I, wouldn't, I couldn't figure out how to make happen, like, if I was trying to. And it happened all the time. Like, he would just, his computer would just fritz on him. I, just, I was positive that he was, and I was kind of in charge of maintaining it for him. Yeah, that's sort of like me, except I have no one to maintain it. <laughs> so I just get frustrated and watch Game of Thrones. Uh, so yeah, Craig, check out his solo record. Check out the Hold Steady. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get into it with Craig Finn and Benny Horowitz. It's going on Gotta text the wifey real fast I had, we start. I wanted to say one more thing. I When we were talking about the date stuff Mm -hmm. i was on a flight from japan back here and it was like all these theater kids in one row (laughs) already insane and they were across from me and it was like one of those like where there's like three seats in the middle and then like two and two and there was an aisle this girl was behind her friends in a middle seat and there was this kid in the aisle seat in front of her with her two friends and this girl was super hot and probably like 25 and this kid was like 17 and she's like excuse me like my friends are in the row in front would you mind switching with me so, so would you mind switching from an aisle seat to, to a, a middle, middle seat and on a, a flight from japan, japan. <laughs> and, 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 and he's like yeah sure and no he, you want to switch like- and she was like oh, oh thank you so much. i'll buy you a drink and i was like all the drinks are free <laughs> yeah. like you're on an international plane like oh. you're not buying anyone and he did it and like was fine and i was like dude never do that no way like I'm like, I want to know, 
like what that dude's <laughs> secret is to being that mellow about I couldn't believe and I would like keep watching him during the flight I was like is this guy fuming and he was just like hanging out was totally don't you want to be that guy I think, who could go from an aisle seat to a middle seat like that I think when and, I was like, I think, life would be so much easier and be like so cool about it. I wish I could be I that guy I think when I was younger I was like that more you don't yeah. I didn't care seat, about man. that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah oh man I, I would I, I wanted to pull him aside and be like how I would move and be like so angry at myself yeah. for not staying in my own seat yeah. that like 45 oh. minutes later I'd have like two whiskeys in me. Dude, it, I'd start talking shit. It was like, six months ago and I'm still thinking know. about it. It didn't even happen to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like I just saw it. <laughs> uh, that's really bad. I'm just not grown up enough to handle that. Yeah, you know, but, zen but enough. There's also some other version of that that if you're that guy, you're always going to end up in the middle seat. Uh, yeah, yeah that's right. That guy might get pushed around. When do you start yeah. standing up for yourself? Yeah, and yeah. say like, I'm sorry, it's the principle. Well, I was but, wondering. I was like, maybe it's just like a hormone thing. Like you're just like at that age. Like any <laughs> hot older girl talks yeah. to you, you're like whatever you want. Yeah, that's right. Probably true. Yeah, but that, does the same happens. guy, the same guy, perhaps his ability to go to the middle seat was from some involvement in, you know, like, Eastern thought and Eastern principles, which would mean each time his move to the middle seat is adding to his karma, and he's, like, Mm. working towards something. Maybe he's got, like, a whole master plan. Maybe he's excited (laughs) when someone asks him to switch seats because he's like, oh, shit, like, extra points. (laughs) You know? 17, I doubt it. (laughs) I, yeah. No, the little the little Buddha. Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't possible. Know. I like that theory. What was that movie with the tiny little Buddha man that they worshipped? Like the nineties, the Last Emperor, something like oh, that. Yeah. Oh, I never saw yeah, it. Yeah, I don't never saw it. How, but okay, so to be that dude, I can see getting into that head for a while. But at some point, you're gonna fucking explode and kill people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, prob- you're gonna keep racking up those points, those karma points, and then it's just gonna—you can't keep doing. No, this There's is no just way. your angry white depiction of this sentiment. <laughs> like, that's yeah. all that's happening. Yeah, three dead. You, you just don't even have enough eyes to see it. <laughs> okay. I should say at some point I am going to blow up. <laughs> uh, so we're here with Craig Finn. Hello. What's up? What's up? Hi, Hi Craig. Benny Horowitz. Hi, Jonah. And Brad Worrell. Benny, favorite guest host. favorite guest host. Don't say that. Dan Ozzy does this. And Dan's only done it like once or yeah, twice. And he's all buff. <laughs> <laughs> He'll toss me. You got the numbers, man. Yeah. Huh? You got the numbers. I have old man strength on him. <laughs> Just grab him with my hands. That's all you need at this age. <laughs> Just a good fistful of something. It's true. And it's coming with me. <laughs> Um, and Benny, you you Gaslight and Hold City have toured together a lot? No, no. just played a couple shows. Okay. Yeah. How um, do you guys know each other? We've tried to. Yeah. yeah. We played more often than we have. We played a show in Detroit. Yeah. I think first. Um and it was one of those I think if I remember the circumstances, it was like we were heading in different directions. Yeah. And we ended up playing this in Detroit cross the same tour night. And then the agents were like, Oh, this let's just throw it all together. And so Not that's fight. when I first met Benny. Yeah. 
And then, uh, and then we played a couple of shows, one in at the Stone Pony Outdoors and one on the pier. Oh, yeah, here. the pier in Manhattan. And we both, we found out early that we both had a love for baseball. Yeah. Okay. So we have attended a couple baseball games. And, uh, and a Nets game. Oh, yeah. And the Nets. Yes. Who Jonah, I believe, I've dragged to as well. That was fun. <laughs> I hadn't been to a basketball game in so long. Sometimes it's tough to get friends to the 11-win nets. <laughs> you know? Not everyone wants to go. <laughs> I'm actually going on Saturday to my first boxing match. Oh, at Barclays? Uh, yeah. Boxing yeah. in Brooklyn. Yeah. That's cool. I think it's going to be fun. I, I don't really follow yeah. boxing. but Are you going to wear like... a fur coat? A fedora? Like... What do you wear to it? Like a fur <laughs> like, coat and a fedora? Thinking, I'm thinking Rain like coat. Vegas style. <laughs> Entourage style kind of? <laughs> or... Or like a Rat Pack. Yeah, that's, right? I, that's sort of how I saw it. Fedora. I, I would have to. I would have to get a fedora. But luckily for us, there's that fedora shop on Bedford Avenue that I could go right yeah. into. It's on the way home. You know, going to baseball games brings up one of the things I had in my notes, and it was one of the odd ones that I wrote down stoned last night, which was that. When we went to a baseball game together, for some reason, I felt like I was going to a game with Paul Simon. Weird. And not because of the way you look. Because of, like, I didn't know you that well yet. (laughs) And you're, like, a songwriter guy. You had, like, the old school kind of New York baseball cap. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Nice and loose. I was like... I think you're wearing like very casual shoes, if I remember. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like summertime. And I was like, you know... (laughs) got like a paul simon vibe to me that's, a, that's not a bad thing how I does mean, that make you feel i feel okay about it um i like i mean i like paul simon and it sort of he represents to me you know coming from the midwest i saw that i always thought of paul simon as like sort of the real new yorker you know, yeah which he is um and uh so that's that's kind of cool i mean i remember thinking of Paul Simon is being a dude I kind of aspired to when I was, my parents had the records and stuff. I've seen him actually at a few few different things, including a Yankees game recently. Me too. Yeah, yeah, I, I sat next to a Yankees game. A Yankees yeah. game with, oh. with that. This was a while ago, and he was with that singer, that chick from like the nineties. Edie Brickell. You're, 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 you're not it's allowed to say chick. <laughs> it's his wife, Edie Brickell. Right? That's who he was with. They're still together. I think so. Yeah, because this was probably uh, like fifteen years ago, or maybe twelve years ago. There's okay. yeah, that, but that's that's definitely. I think that's a that's a, both a, a a songwriter, but also a vibe that I think at some point I might have at least subconsciously aspired to. Good. Plus, I'm, I'm short. I'm glad. It so there's kind of that. Yeah, that's too. where I wanted. I didn't want that to come across like <laughs> no, as a, like, hey, you look like balls because <laughs> that wasn't it. It really was a vibe thing. Um, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but it does bring up something i was thinking about which was like you've lived in new york for how long now quite a while 15 years 15 years and you weren't born in minnesota right born in massachusetts and my parents moved to minnesota when i was in grade school okay so you don't remember massachusetts i mean except that all my relatives are there but uh yeah I i mean i just went to kindergarten there yeah i feel like somebody who's traveled as much as you and then lived in those two places, which are so unique from each other, might have a cool sort of idea about what's happened to New York since you've been here. Yeah. You know, because I don't know if you saw it from like a non-local perspective for a while and now you are a local because you've been here so long. 
Yeah, especially I, the Brooklyn thing. Like, yeah, and I always, I moved to Brooklyn right away. I've never lived in Manhattan or anything. So, right. like, it's been 15 years in Brooklyn in different neighborhoods. Um, I first moved to Borum Hill, uh, and to when I go back there, that seems like the biggest change to me, just because there's like, it's the vibe is is quite a bit different. It feels like, but yeah, you definitely have seen the the change. And I just remember when I first moved to New York, how often I'd get home from work, go home, and then get back on the train. Or in or staying and just everything was happening in the city, mm, you know, right. to go to shows, mm. all the shows, you know, it was brownies and the knitting factory and um, Mercury Lounge, I guess, Bowery out still. But how often I don't have to go into the city to see music. Um, it's, it's almost the exception that I when I do. Yeah. And so there is definitely like a more localized thing. There's also something that happened that I was just thinking about that as you live here a long time that. When I first, my first few years here, I was always like massively, the trains were just like, I'd get on the wrong train. Somehow they'd get stuck on me more often. Like they, they, it was like, I was much less efficient somehow. Like, and now it's like, I generally walk in five minutes earlier, five minutes late to everywhere um, and know exactly when to leave the house. Exactly. You know, so you kind of get better at it somehow yeah did you see this article about the l train yesterday yeah oh my god they're gonna close it they're that's really scary for years. and then the picture was a picture of you no no <laughs> i didn't see that that's real I, I i actually maybe just saw um her You're closing the l train was <laughs> it's it not my fault <laughs> maybe i like, read this comment wrong but it was like a seamless ad oh and it was like a photo of the subway and it was a seamless ad with I, I was, was in a seamless ad. Okay, I think uh, they, for some reason, used that photo yeah. of the L train stop. Yeah, oh. okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because they were like subway ads. I was in yeah. I was in a seamless uh, ad campaign, which was... Which is also... Weird and kind of... Fun. Well, the funny thing is, it came up through... Um, uh, How's that for a segue? Oh, wow. <laughs> it came up through music. Like, Suzanne Dowers, who's a friend of mine who I went oh, to college with. you do Flower? You had or, Flower Book, yeah. and she worked in marketing oh, for them. Right. So um, she called and she's like, you know, it obviously pays. And I was like, well, I use Seamless. I don't know if I should feel weird about this. This is something that in the 90s probably would have been a lot less cool. But uh, right. I was Everyone like, you know, it. Yeah. whatever. Uh, so I actually, just to throw something in here, up until you just said that part of this, I thought you meant the ad was literally seamless, like some kind of like poster to poster to poster design of like a thematic seamless ad yeah, like i was like i saw this and triptych of you i totally did not yeah. think of <laughs> seamless which i think is a business of some sort it is it's food, food delivery and you said everyone uses it yeah except and i Benny. literally <laughs> did not know what it was so were they like oh. you have to do a photo shoot for exactly this? okay and, and they, were they, they like it's just, funny they're like you know they're, they're like hold this you know there was something they gave me it was like you know like uh a burger or something i was like yeah or no it was onion rings i'm like i'm not holding onion rings because you know if you end up looking kind of heavy or something in the photo and then you're like i'm the guy who just can't stop eating onion rings (laughs) so they gave me a euro which i felt okay no it was falafel and uh, that felt better that's fine yeah it's ethnic yeah which is safer yeah so it was it was it was it was uh nothing if not easy yeah and it it came out uh fine um but yeah that would be crazy if it shut down between manhattan and brooklyn for like 
a year this or something. I year. sort of feel like it's it's an alar- it's like it's an alarmist thing. I yeah. think it's got to be. Like they I kind of feel that way too because it's so speculative. It's the end of 2017 too, is right? Said, which is quite a while for them to right figure it out. Well, maybe they'll so. have the uh, East Side Subway done by then. <laughs> and the fucking no. they were talking about putting a uh, an Avenue A stop. Like well, they're talking about entrance. putting a cable car over the Williamsburg Bridge too, or like oh, next really? to it. That sounds logistically reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds insane, but I mean, if they close the L, what the hell are they going to do? You know, this cable is, car. I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy because I, you know, I don't have a nine to five job that I go to, but every once in a while, I'll have something where that kind of makes you ride uh-huh. at the at the rush hour time. The yeah, and train. the L train is insane. It's like terrible. it's like people like like they come and they fill up and and you can't even get on. You have to yeah. wait for the next terrible. one. So. Yeah. I don't know what happens next. It's a claustrophobic worst nightmare. Yeah, if they're going to close it down, they should just widen it, put in two lanes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, when you think about it, I remember reading that book, The Mole People, Mm -hmm. about the the underground homeless in New York and the graffiti artists who found them. And then it was a movie called Dark Days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember through that, they said in, like, the early 1900s, there's... Upwards of like, I forget the number, but 20, 30 different independent power companies and water companies operating in New York City that all had their own underground tunneling systems. And that's like one of the reasons there's like such a vast like network of underground tunnels in New York. And so I don't think you like literally like have to chip through like stone anymore you know, right? Like I think it's all open down there, or a lot of it is. Interesting. I heard another interesting New York fact at the beginning of the 19th century. There were a thousand pool halls in New York. Ooh, like that was like the big thing, I guess. Billiards. Wow. Yeah, before there was, I guess whatever people do. Well, yeah, now. what do people do now? <laughs> I don't know. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Well, there well, and there was like two thousand microbreweries before prohibition, too. Really? Yeah, this was a great place, man. <laughs> Does a pool uh, hall serve booze? I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe like, that was just what... Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe you just you played just... some pool while you drank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a geography history of Craig Finn question for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your connection to Cleveland? Because uh, so that's my hometown. I, I lived in Shaker Heights for, like, uh, I think it was 18 months when I was real young, like three and four. Okay. My parents, uh, my dad went there. He worked for Ernst & Young, which I think at the time was headquartered in cleveland uh accounting firm and so he went out there for uh, a short time uh knowing they'd go back to go back to boston so shaker heights was uh where where we lived and it's sort of my first memories of it and then uh sort of um unconnected one of my very very good friends from college ended up being from there too so i'd go back with my, him my dad went to shaker high tie oh really nice yeah. yeah yeah um and i think i met you maybe at the grog shop a really long time ago no i, I think it was at there. uh the euclid oh really well, i think but maybe it's, it's the possible grog euclid tavern yeah i think so yeah although what i don't know if it would have been with lifter polar or maybe or hold steady i think uh, it was pretty early on no i i lifter polar played a number of shows at the euclid tavern at least one of them had zero attendees. Really? Uh, and maybe two of them. <laughs> yeah, that place has been shut down for a long time, yeah. like over a decade. But I used to go, like, see, like, a veil there. Whoever. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that stuff maybe did better than 
uh, <laughs> the the indie rock. Uh, but it we, seems <laughs> like people love Lifter Puller now. Yeah, yeah. We 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 didn't. It was kind of a scrappy thing because we didn't have um like a, a big label or you know really we were for the most part putting out our own records and we booked ourselves. Uh, so I don't know. We kind of just were a little out of sync on the touring and stuff. Um, but, but, you know, it kind of, and then it ended up developing something that was really popular in Minneapolis and, and started to do really well there, but we never kind of had big shows out of town. Um, right at the end, we went on tour with Les Savifov and those were kind of, things were starting, but I think yeah. by that point, everyone was just exhausted. Did you guys do something a couple of years ago? Or? Well, we actually did a show on 4th of July. Okay. Um, we did a reunion show for Dillinger 4's 21st birthday. Oh my God. Uh, oh, cool. the, which was an outdoors at the Triple Rock in Minneapolis. And awesome. It was kind of secret-ish, you know. Um, we made sure a lot of people knew, but we, we you know, uh, we did a half an hour. So I didn't, I didn't want to be like, yeah, we're doing a reunion show. Feels weird to get up. Although, quite honestly, a lot of Lifter Puller shows were half an hour anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably a good amount of songs in that. Yeah. In that was, song, you know, right? it was probably eight or nine. Half an hour, I mean, used to be the set. Yeah. Like like any if you weren't the headliner it was 30 minutes basically. Yeah. When did that change? I don't know. <laughs> Co-headliners. When did that you know someone's got to lose. I'm sick of this new world there was where this, no one where no one loses. There you was, know? Like you just open for someone. Just participate, like, it's, it's man. Fine. You got to participate. Yeah, you know? Participation awards. Like uh, you're at the show. We're all headliners. That's what co-headliners. <laughs> Co-headlining tour. We're all headliners. We're all headliners. No, <laughs> you're not. If you play before the other one, you're not a headliner anymore. Yeah. You played before the headliner. I think it's an ego thing sometimes. <sighs> oh, and, and it's, I think it's probably like. And it's the monies. It's it's the it's the you know the 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 agents too like my yeah, dad's not gonna right um, but you know it's what you, I when the whole study started I kind of was like in this you know coming out of punk and Indian things and I was like got really into sort of just classic rock and being in, you know kind of into down the middle especially into Bruce Springsteen and I was like Springsteen plays four hours what we're gonna do is every song we know we just play them all every night. <laughs> and if people want to leave they can leave <laughs> that, was, that was that was my mentality for like two weeks and yeah, we were playing forever like <laughs> you know people would leave yeah and and then uh, someone to pulled me aside and said i don't think we should kind of have an arc to this you know so <laughs> yeah, just, right, right. what i'm like i was in this like but then they get their money's worth you know yeah yeah which you know which is always like uh, well, yeah and for, at a three and a half hour like i've been to like mm-hmm you know, rush concerts that last that mm-hmm. long. And, you know, if you're not going out in the middle, have a beer, play smoke a cigarette, you need, like, the the amount of people that actually eyes on the stage for three and a half hours, it's rare. Right. You're like, it. it's like a parade at that point where, like, this thing is going to be going on full tilt and you come back and forth to your seat anytime you want and it'll still be going on. Yeah, yeah. You know? I feel like... I don't know about you, but I can't focus on anything for three and a half hours. No it could be my favorite. John Bonham could fucking regrow out of the ground and Led Zeppelin <laughs> comes back together and does three and a half hours. There is some point where I'm going to, no, no, no. I'm going to get ADD. No, I mean, even when I was a kid, I remember somebody coming back from a, like a Springsteen show and they were like, he played for four hours. <laughs> I was like, okay, 
That's that's a that's a good mm. thing. <laughs> I don't even want to hear electric guitars that long. That's yeah, now long. I don't want to hear anything for more than a half hour. But that, that's it, half hour now. <laughs> I think yeah, it's seventy seventy five. I think an hour to seventy five minutes is probably good. Yeah, there's also I mean. Just there's there's also a physical thing. Like if you try to play for three hours <laughs> yeah. every night, dude, your 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 voice or whatever else is not gonna. Max Weinberg's made of robot parts. Yeah, you do I have to understand. hand it to those guys. But they don't. They probably aren't playing as many shows as a like a whole yeah. steady or a gaslight tour in a week, right? Like fourth straight two hour set. Yeah, in a row, I feel like a fucking bus hit me. I feel like <laughs> shit, and I'm getting old, and I'm getting old fast but <laughs> yeah. so i mean i've seen other guys older than me who handle it better well because, drumming is you know, you know a physical thing too and they probably don't fuel up for the show with like <laughs> you know a coffee and a bowl <laughs> <laughs> well they also have the vegas factor where they can play for three hours but they're doing 10 songs because they yeah. stretch them out, leave the stage. Noodling. See, every like, one of those bands, they are, like, if there's one thing I hate on a personal level, <laughs> and I know I, you might you might not agree with me, Craig, because, you know, you're an axe man, <laughs> is anyone who does three hours means there's an awful lot of noodling going on. <laughs> right. Oh, well, and usually guitar noodling, because what other, you're not hearing a lot of vocal solos, bass solos. No. No. Drum solo, you might get like a 10 minute one. Those are super annoying too. <laughs> like, like how, what do you, th do you think there should be a limit to the amount of noodling in a set or like no more than a 45 second solo or no more than 10 <laughs> minutes in a set's time? You're should there be a cap, a hard cap? You're asking a Grateful Dead fan this. So, oh, <laughs> so uh, you know, there's applications though. I mean, I, I, you know, I guess the Grateful Dead, something like, you know, maybe what other people find in jazz, like I can put it on okay. and I don't need to be like, you know, it's like I can take a break from, I can put it on and clean my house, you know, or <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where something else, you know, a new record of a band I really like, a modern band, I'm going to be like, I want to, I want to hear the words. I want to, you know, really, really pay attention. So yeah. I don't know. I think there's different applications, but. Uh, you know, I, I will say as an audience member, meandering is is most often not not the best, not fun. You're so you would, you're so diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Know, you're really, you're so nice. <laughs> I love it. The minutes you'll never lose. The yeah, that, that's my. Yeah, I'm trying to think though. I mean, I I don't know if I've seen. It's been a long time since I've seen a concert that had like a drum solo or a yeah i keep flashing back to like buying like a live like metallica or like a live poison record and it's like drum solo bass solo cc deville guitar solo <laughs> yeah. like every person scheduled yeah like yeah. yeah every like five songs it's like okay to your turn uh -huh. yeah but i think bands i think like avenge sevenfold or a band like that probably does that kind of they stuff do. yeah yeah they kiss, do kiss does it i mean that's and that's i mean that's terrible maybe it's part <laughs> of the rock and roll thing it's you know, and, and then yeah. someone who comes from indie rock or punk rock has sort of the anti-rock and roll stance sometimes, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's where the lack of noodling comes, or is it a lack of noodling? I don't know. I think it's over noodles. Before <laughs> this interview's over, I'm dying to get you to say something controversial. Uh, <laughs> that's, like, that's my sort of default position, because you know what, what happens is... Uh, 
I've done that. Like when we first started getting interviewed and, you know, you kind of forget or you say like, mm. and in, in that case, I was saying, they were like, and I said, you know, it was the enemy. And they were saying, I said, it's a trick to grow old gracefully in rock and roll. Mm. And they said, well, who, who hasn't grown old gracefully? And I said, well, the red hot chili peppers. Okay. And all of a sudden, our website's getting all these emails from angry Red Hot Chili, Chili Peppers, Peppers fans. fans. And it's like, well, I'm not going to do that again. That's annoying. Like, you know, yeah. like just knowing that, like, you know, like someone wants to debate you about it. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like, I'll just keep that thought to myself. Especially this day and age. It's getting a lot harder to shit talk because well, <laughs> everything turns into like uh, an internet rap battle yeah. now. And I, yeah, which is something I don't want. I don't want to be like... An, yeah, like that's something I think about. Like, I don't want to be the internet guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh -huh. Who's like, you know, because I think especially it feels like for I'm 44. A lot of it feels like older indie rock musicians kind of transitioned into being like internet guys. Um, Define internet guys. <laughs> a guy who you know more about online than actually like ah. that's than his shows or. So they have like uh, a social media presence. Presence, but it doesn't isn't necessarily like, <laughs> but, but like, I I, I guess I in this day I think you almost have to work on trying to make your life happen in real life, because mm. um, that can suck you in. Yeah, and you can be like, oh, I saw a movie, I liked it. Oh, I got to tell you know, and I'm like, well, no, I don't need to. I just I just enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I don't need to say you know. Uh, whatever. Straight out of Compton was awesome. You know, like like I was saying. Hashtag. I, I enjoyed that. I understand that. I've actually caught myself a few times recently having a nice moment somewhere or seeing something I found interesting and this, and I started putting together a tweet in my head. <laughs> yeah. What could be the ultimate snarky, <laughs> sardonic way to talk about this pointless thing? Yeah. And every time it's been happening recently, I try to think about every egotistical person who has a Twitter account who feels that the random thing they popped in their head needs to be shared and seen. And yeah. I'm not sure what that is, like some sort of sense of personal validation, maybe like where someone's like, wow, you know what? I'm not feeling so good about myself. That feels like a witty comment to me. <laughs> I'll put it out there, and each little star I get is going to make me feel like it was a an effective witty comment, and now I'm feeling better about myself. Well, the biggest yeah. tragedy is that you lose, you lose the experience, you know? I mean, I started to notice this. I've got two little kids now, and I've said, i got to put the fucking camera down and... and, and have fun with my kids mm. instead of trying to document it for like whoever like grandparents <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and then you go to a show and everybody's watching it through their phone and it's the same thing i just two days ago was at um i went and saw the picasso sculptures at the moma and yeah, it was i did too the, great. I went open, they were yeah. so good yeah uh, i feel like shit there were these there were these uh it was a, i'll take a, you a, benny a, oh thanks large <laughs> elderly presence uh and they were more obnoxious with their phones 
than little kids they were. were. Oh my god! Oh, uh, this really? whole uh, like like sixty percent of them were just like walking right up to the sculpture and yep. and taking a photo of it and walking away. And I'm like, you know, that. that's on the internet and in a book available at the gift shop. <laughs> and you know? that's I'm like, something you don't that need to, doesn't that, that's doesn't true. translate into photos well either. No. And who are you yeah. going yeah. to show that? Like, yeah, you'd be like, hey, want to see the Picasso sculptures on my phone? Yeah, there's only a <laughs> yeah. you know you can tier. find anywhere on the internet anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, I've noticed, I've talked about this on the podcast before too, like I'll take pictures at shows and it'll be like a shitty picture. I'll be like, I have a bad spot and I'll be like, and I'll put, like I'll post it and I try to cut I'm like why am I posting it's like oh because like I want to say like I'm here right. I'm at this cool place Yeah, you're not Yeah, look at look at me and I'm like I gotta like I like check myself that's not even so bad that's fine do that do it once take a pic and, and get off but like to videotape a fucking band no I get that but like also like who cares that yeah, I'm at this thing like, it's who cares? interesting though because I think I like, think why do I feel the need right. to validate what's the psychology behind that it's interesting it's i once looked into i wrote something about the psychology of a touring musician for i was one of the british Mm -hmm. magazines and when i was looking into it there was a guy who studied the psychology of travelers in general and he said one of the big reasons for traveling and a big impetus to go in the first place is to kind of come back and show off where you've been. Like, it's not always just the lust to travel and the lust Mm -hmm. to see things. It's a feeling of validation you get from, I'm well-traveled, I'm cultured, I've seen these things, now I can share this with you. You can think I'm this much better as a result. And maybe, like, the social media thing is, like sort of a microcosm of that like yeah a, that a ma- smaller version that makes a lot of sense exactly i'm also insanely neurotic so i'm probably overthinking everything no, like every no, time no. i post i'm like what's the implications of this but do you, but do you like when i used to go somewhere when i was a kid especially but i'd always want to get something there you know whatever whatever it was a shirt or something to remember it by but now i sort of feel with the internet like you go somewhere and you're like, oh, I don't need that. I can get that. There's nothing you kind of can't get. <laughs> yeah. yeah, living a living in New York, b living in in this modern age. Where, you know, Amazon can deliver this most likely to you tomorrow. Yeah, they so can like drone it to you tonight. <laughs> there's nothing. That's where you got that toothpick from. <laughs> where I ordered them from Amazon. It got droned to you. Yeah. No, I wish. Uh, Do you think that's cool. going to be a reality, Craig? I don't know. I know. I you know. I'm not sure. Uh, I guess it. Techno- it feels like it can be technologically. No, I, I, drones aren't something that I've thought much about. Do you think a lot <laughs> about like kind of like artificial intelligence and like what the world's going to look like in like 20, 30, 40 no, years? No, but I do think like it's crazy what uh, just it, it, like think about in our lifetime. What's what's, you know, like like the Internet for one, you know, yeah. for iPhones. Uh Email, like you know, I graduated college before I had an email address, so all that's like no dot edu for you. No, huh? I mean probably now I could have one, <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. Like, like there was this sort of different, and and especially like I, I think about information and being a you know a young rock and roll fan, and it kind of besides the radio, it kind of came in in scraps. You know, like my parents would s- subscribe to Time Magazine, and there'd be an article about you know, John Lennon getting shot and you're, and you'd read that, but like 
there was no there was aside from the school library there was things like you know i remember i think hearing about the ramones through like you know like a newsweek magazine or something and then those in the school library and there's kind of these scraps of information and uh, you know you'd also hear these rumors that were you know ozzy osborne did this ozzy oh, bit yeah. the head off this um Rod Stewart blew his whole band. That uh, all that stuff, <laughs> you know, and and of course now you're like, no, that didn't happen. But but at the time, and within you're like, ten seconds, you're yeah, you're yeah. googling to verify yeah. the information or not. Do you think that what's going on in like the last thirty to forty years is shockingly similar to what the end times look like in the Bible? No. No, <laughs> not at all. No. Well, we're not there yet. I mean, we're not we're not rivers of blood. We're no. not frogs in the sky yet. We do have selfie but sticks, though. <laughs> there is something written directly about technology and how innovation is going to go in in a hundred years more than it did in the the lifetime of man. There, and there, that seems that seems was... close. Um, there was this interview with David Foster Wallace that came up like just last year. They found it. Another interview. Oh yeah. And, we uh, talked about him before. With wow. Ned. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they found like an old interview, a radio, and I think it was from Boston somewhere. And, uh, he was talking, I think it was in 96. So the internet was around, but cert- not sort of in the form we know it as. And he said, the thing is these images, we are going to start coming in clearer crisper and better and more lifelike and we're going to start to have problems discerning that from the real thing and i think we are there you know i think we're getting there and that's you know um or you know going somewhere so you can take a photo uh or or having an an, you know 100 percent online relationship with someone that kind of thing um i think we're there or we're, we're certainly there, but I don't think it's the end times. In fact, I wonder if younger people might get better at it um, than we do. Like, I wish I looked at my phone less. Right. Um, oh, I sometimes to... see kids. I'm around kids that are actually better than me. Huh. Well, I think yeah. there's no, like, we're still figuring out the etiquette and it's like transitional. Like, I feel like kids in 20 years, I don't know if it's going to be like a chip in your head, or whatever, but they're going to be like, you pulled this thing out of your pocket and looked at it and right. typed. Like, it's all going to be voice. Like, it's all, or like, it's going to yeah. look archaic. The watch. Yeah, but you're yeah, right. It's going to look it, like a rotary phone or something. <laughs> right. It, it is almost like every, every technological revolution or even political or something like that, when it happens, seems to go too far and get reeled back. Yeah. So you think that maybe like, we were the generation that like got this new toy and was like, like the kid who never had ice cream and was like, ah, yeah. and now yeah. they're like, yeah, this is just, yeah, you have the internet all the time. But and, I don't yeah. think it's going to get scaled back. Like, I don't think they're ever going to be like, this is fast enough. This is good enough. Like, it's always going to get more, more, and more, more, smaller and better and faster. That's just the nature of like, you know, like Moore's law. It's like this exponential curve when it comes to technology. It's just like once it starts, it's just. The things you didn't know you needed too, like you know, like mm. HD TV. Yeah, like when you flick on the, the all, when you're not on HD, you're like, whoa, <laughs> this looks terrible. Sports, How did I ever watch that? Like sports <laughs> on worth- anything less than thirty inches without HD. Yeah, looks like shit to me now. Right, and that was my entire life of watching yeah. sports. And now I'm like, 
I remember when like reading about it, and they're like, "You're going to be able to see the players' numbers in a football game." Yeah, I was like, "Whoa, yeah. that'll be awesome!" I remember when they had TVs with the, yeah, where you could like watch two things. There'd be that little box. I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, picture this is in picture. picture!" I was like, "This is incredible!" Yeah, <laughs> two things at once. The, the PIP button on all universal remotes. That is the one button that remains crisp when all the others are faded. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> When I feel like when da- speaking of David Foster Wallace, like when he killed himself, I felt like it really it struck me really hard because I felt like he was so insanely smart that I was like, maybe this guy's so smart that he's like figured things out and was yeah. like, eh, hedging my bets. Like this is no. there was not to get too dark. It, but, it, no. it, 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 there is a real dark thing to that because when I read uh, David Foster Wallace and when I've read him, I feel like this guy knows. This guy's figured it out. Like he's he's speaking a truth that I can't get to, and and it really helps me see things clearer. And then he kills himself, and it's really it's it it it's it's kind of hurtful, you know, or or yes. scary. Yes. Um. And of course, it is a mental health thing, which is very real. So. Totally. Uh. But but yeah, there there is there is. And the, I read the bio. I've read a lot of it. Um. But the bio is funny because. It felt, you know how sometimes you read about like really smart, famous people and they're like, you know, he seemed like a normal, you know, he seemed like a normal guy. He was kind of average. But his, his classmates, his like college classmates are like, well, no, that guy was really smart. He was smarter than all of us. Right. Like he and was he, valedictorian. He was like, you know. Yeah. And he wrote in Fitch and was like 29 or something or like super yeah, young. Like, you know what I think uh, is crazy because I really love that book and I've read it a few times and I've gotten sort of obsessed with it. I'm pretty sure that he wrote that um, living very, very close. I mean, pretty much around the corner to me uh, in Boston when I was in school. Really? Yeah. And you went to what, Boston College? Boston College, yeah. And he he lived in Brighton. And Enfield, the the tennis academy and all that, is, is, is in... It's sort of not real, but it's sort of right around there. Like, he kind of made it up, but it's... He, you know, he's kind of on on the border there, Brighton, and so it's it's in that world, um, which is which is I don't know. I feel like uh, makes me like it. It's kind of serendipitous. Yeah, really. it makes me like it. And then there's also a character in it from Edina, Minnesota, which is my hometown. So uh, those two things connect on some little level that I really like. How long did it take you to read it? Uh, a few months. Um, I remember I, I actually read it on tour. I I read it on tour, um, but I, I remember saying, like, I'm at least reading 10 pages a day, even if I sort of am not getting it. Right. And some days I just read that. You know, that was enough. But I read Gravity's Rainbow, and that took me, like, four months, but I had a lot of false starts on that one. Infinite just went better because I think I managed Gravity's Rainbow. And said, I can do this. You know, it's like your second marathon or something. <laughs> yeah. You ever thought, I mean, you're, you know, you're a pretty voracious reader and obviously a writer for songs. You ever tried to get into yeah. fiction or noveling? I've, or I'd, like I'd really, it's a goal of mine. I've had a couple false starts and it's hard because, you know, after a lifetime of being in rock bands. And you're a rock band. You're like, I, I got this little thing. I don't know if it's any good. And your friend, your guy's like, no, that's great. Let's do that. Yeah. It's the self-doubt and the solitariness of being a a, a writer um, can kind of 
get in your head. And I huh. think that's what's happened to me. But I, it's something, it's definitely a goal. But uh, So when you've tried, you, you find yourself in that like overly analytical, overworking just like, the little questions start circle. to bug you. Like, it's start to be like, would this be better in f- first person? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know. And then, you know, and then, you know, that, that can kind of derail you. When I think the advice I've gotten is just tell the story and worry about that later. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's also a lot of, been a lot of touring and stuff. I, it's something I'd like to attack, but uh, there's no. There's no uh, hard news on that one. Yeah, because it, it does seem like a lot of your songwriting is sort of character-driven. It's yeah, not just yeah. like first person. So that, to me, I think would sort of translate into you taking other people's perspectives. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I read so much, too, and I almost exclusively read novels. So it just feels like, you you know, it's kind of like when you're listening to music, like, I want to do that, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I do think it's one of the few fields where you can... You know, people, you say, like, I read a lot of books I can probably write. But I think that uh, is valid. You know, not like Maybe. other places, like, I drive every day. I could probably, you know, be in the in 500. <laughs> right, It's not right, the right. same, but I do feel like, because writing is all about sort of uh, developing your voice, and I think that's easier if you read a lot, because you identify that Definitely. really quickly. There is a discipline to it, though, that I think a lot of people have it in their heads that it's easier than it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you actually get to paper and you never learned the disciplines, right? the things to organize thoughts into turning it into 300 pages or chapters right. or how does this tie into this and this and this. Or to just keep I think fucking doing it. A lot of day. people can write and they write and they write and they get overwhelmed by the process. Right. And there's a different kind of writing. I, you know, I, I do think people often... And you see it in music, too. You see it half the time when drummers decide to make their record, their own record. Right. Or, like, people who didn't always write songs decide to write their own record. And often, the first one, it's not that good because it's your first time fucking doing right. something. One- Everyone has this idea that, like, you're going to write your first novel and you're curvoning it off the bat. Like, you know. It takes might, practice. It might yeah. take a minute. Like. Yeah. A friend of mine who is a, Sorry. a novelist. I think uh, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're I'm like yelling at myself. I'm yelling at myself right now. But but fr- every time mine, I try to write a book. Who's a novelist <laughs> gave me the advice of go write a novel, take it, put it in a box, put it in your closet, right. and don't show anyone that one because it's terrible. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and right. then get to work on the next it's one. Just, it's so much work to do that and not. But he's yeah. right. He's absolutely right. I've, yeah. I have That's, so many false starts. Mm. Like it's true. Substantial false starts, but it's the same in music too, isn't it? Because I've I've told a lot of people that I've worked and played music with before, stop worrying about that song. It's over. Go to the next one instead of like constantly reworking something when just the process of writing that one is going to get you better at writing the second one. Yeah. So move to the second one rather than right, keep difficult. chipping away. Some are really first. hard, then some come so easy, you know? And, and like, it, yeah, and then you kind of banging your head against the wall. It's kind of like a crossword puzzle, too. You walk away, you come back, and you're like, oh, that. Oh, yeah, so easy. Yeah, that was so easy. And Asa is a snake. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what was it like for you to kind of do this solo record? I mean, did you feel like that was like your? Did you feel comfortable because you've made so many records over Um, the years, or was that a different process? In both, in both the records, the the solo records kind of were different. I, I, uh, 
I was definitely like, you know, looking for sort of new ways to work. And in the first one, uh, Clear Heartful Eyes, I went down to Texas and the, the producer put together the band. Like I literally walked in, shook their hands and then said, all right, here's a song. And we recorded, I think, 14 songs in five days. So it was really quick, you know, strong musicians, obviously, that learned quick. And then this, this the last one, uh, Faith in the Future, we made just actually me and two other guys, um, Josh Kaufman and Joe Russo. So it was very different um, than being, you know, the whole steady where everyone kind of gets together in a room and, you know, Tad usually brings in the music and we kind of play it a lot. Um, and, and especially this last one, which I really liked, there was a lot of talking about the songs, hmm. um, which I kind of like. Like, you know, if you can speak abstractly without, you know, without like amps humming and yeah. uh, people noodling. Um, uh, and, and you kind of can sort of like, well, what is this song? Like, well, what's it supposed to say? What's it supposed to be? And I think that's kind of, it's interesting for me to work that way. I like, I like that. Do you think music just gets like that as you get older where you're going less on feeling and less on stomach and it's more of like a cerebral process? It's like, this is actually what I want to do. And now I actually maybe know how to do it. Yeah. I mean, ideally you have some you have emotion in there too, or, um, some hunger, but I, I think that I am. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you've also done things before, right? So it's like, all right, well, this song could be about being drunk in Minneapolis, but damn, I've written quite a few of those already. <laughs> so maybe it won't be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and, uh, so you're, you're, there is some amount of, trying to entertain yourself too yeah impress yourself i guess yeah, yeah. well the good songwriters <laughs> they write the song about being drunk in minneapolis every single time but then they change the words so it sounds to the audience like it's about something else <laughs> possibly yeah like i think springsteen's a good example of that he's yeah, taken kinda... like the same sort of inspiration and worked it into completely different colors getting out of new jersey yeah and he, uh, he's <laughs> never left it's impressive <laughs> <laughs> Went up in acreage, though, I believe. Yeah. From childhood. Yeah. Probably. (laughs) It's all about acreage these days, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been there? To his what? To his his ranch? Yeah. No. (laughs) I haven't been there. I don't know. You played drums for him? No, I didn't. I played (laughs) drums behind him once, (laughs) twice. Um, No, I've never been there. I never got the invite (laughs) to, to, you know, maybe one day. One day I'll go. Bruce, you listening? Betting wants to come out for a Take lunch. my chopper out there. You know? Um, what else you got in your. Uh... Oh, I got so much. Well, we're talking about the new record. Mm-hmm. So there's something that I found by listening to the new album, which for some reason when I was coming over here, I've listened to your new record a bunch of times and I wanted to compliment you. And for some reason, I kept doing it in a Russian accent. I don't know why. And I wanted to say that your new record is just very good. And I like it very much. Is that a Russian? I don't know. Okay. That wouldn't have been my first guess. It's universally okay. ethnic. Well, it's kind of Polish, too, right? It's kind of like a little more Eastern European. I'm not an accent yeah, man. Little, um, not an accent man. Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd, the swinging oh, Fesnick brothers. Yeah. Too wild and yeah. crazy yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah like that's that. exactly it, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. Um, I wrote down one thing because I, I thought you were saying the word Scranton 
kind of funny the way everyone says the word Scranton, which is like you kind of have to go like Scranton. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sort of a weird place. It, uh, it, you know, I was there. I was there. Um, we did a radio thing there. And uh, it, it it sort of was I, – I think we had a day off there too on a tour. And I was like looking around. It felt, it felt like uh, – there's like a downtown. It just felt like somewhere in the fifties must have been mm. a lot different than it is now. Yeah, um, like more robust probably, but it was still nice. Um, but yeah, that 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 then I that's how it's Scranton got in my mind. But yeah, I think the, you have to say Scranton. It's yeah, it's so like, those are the places you like, end up with on your on your fucking. Well, day it's off. like you just never say, <laughs> "Oh, I'm going to be visiting Scranton." Yeah, <laughs> you're like everyone who says it. Scranton. They're like, "Yeah, we're driving Scranton. through Scranton." Like everyone, I don't know why you have to say it like that. But the thing I picked up on your new record, besides for that, which is a small yeah. thing, is that I find it a little more like hopeful sounding mm-hmm. at times than older things like you know not just your solo stuff but hold steady yeah, stuff yeah. where I think- like i i found that and then i was gonna ask as a, a secondary question to that is like i know at some point you've like refound i don't know if you want to call it faith but something your connection to that are the two things like intertwined at this point in your life yeah, I, I I think well the album's called Faith in the Future and I I I appreciate you saying you find it hopeful because when Josh and I got together started talking about it I said I want to make something that's hopeful. Oh, cool. Um, and hopeful and elegant is you know a, a, something that befits a man my age. <laughs> uh, um, but so like it was, Kate Winslet. It, well, hopeful and elegant. Oh yeah, exactly. I would say. Uh, um, yeah, it it, it was it was. It was made and uh, written largely in the time after my mother died. So it was like, you know, there's a sadness there, but it was kind of a, there was a process of like, we're talking about the novel of where I would go and just write songs. I would say like, I have to work. Like I'm my first, I came back to Brooklyn and my days were kind of slipping away. I was like, wow, I didn't do anything today except for I dropped off my laundry. <laughs> and then I was like, I can't. I got to start. And actually, my girlfriend was like, you know, you just get out of the house. Like, leave. And then this is what kind of got me out of my grief. She would be like, just leave. And I don't care what you do. Just don't come back until, like, you know, leave at 10 and come back at 5. And even if it's you go to a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, just you can't just sit here and yeah, stare at the, the wall. Fire a little bit. And so then that kind of got me a little... Uh, and I would just go on these huge walks, but then I started working on songs and doing it very much to work, and that's sort of what came out of it. But I, I didn't find that um, I was just I was sort of captivated in sort of these walks in this period of everyone just like watching people go to work and watching you know whatever their personal lives are. My friend, whose mother passed away um, earlier, uh, said. That when 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 that he was going through that period of grief, he would be on some some place that would annoy you, like a crowded subway or something, and he would feel all this love for people, saying like everyone suffers, everyone everyone hurts, and I kind of on that like was like wow, look at all these people just going to work, doing the thing that they believe that if they do this, if they get up, they go to work, they make their kids breakfast, they did they. Things are better. Things mm-hmm. will get better. And in some ways, that's the faith that I feel like, you know, 
you don't, you could just lay in bed, you know, but, but very few of us, very few people just totally give up. Right. Um, most people, you know, continue push forward and there's a, there's a beauty in that. That's sort of what I was thinking a lot about when we made the record. That's really cool. Yeah, that is cool. I remember when the whole study was sort of, you know, like getting a lot of press and stuff, Mm -hmm. I felt like every article I'd read about you guys would be like, this is Craig. He doesn't look like he's a singer for a rock band, (laughs) but he's like... The best is on that is like, he looks like a blank, and it would be like, math teacher. (laughs) So then it would be like, accountant, you know, anything but anything not Paul Simon. I wish, yeah, I wish I would have collected all of them. So like I could make like maybe like a a poster where I dress up in different... uh, (laughs) Was that annoying? Because it was annoying for me as a just as a journalist. I was like, "Oh my, another one!" Like, yeah, I mean, I think I I obviously don't look like anyone's idea of a kick ass rock and roll dude, but uh, uh, you know, the only thing part that's annoying is you're like, man, you know, that's in every article, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Don't you want to be the guy who doesn't write that? Totally. Right? Like it just it's like a lot. The, the thing that like in any kind of you know when you read things about yourself, the things that you think are sort of lazy are the things that are going to bug you. Right. Do you think though, I wonder sometimes like on a personal level, I've always thought I'm, I'm like a loud person. Like my voice cuts through a room Mm -hmm. and I have a tendency to say like obnoxious things at high volumes and things like that. And I'm always, I'm a super simple dresser. I always have been. And I always felt like if I did anything flashy, that dude's fucking over the top because right. the personality is already borderline. <laughs> and if like the clothes and the look were too fucking shit show. Right. So right. I figured I'd have a balance. And do you think like, like some of your older songs, like if you were going up there and you're like six foot four with a fucking cut off and big abs and <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you're looking sexy and girls are going fucking blah. And then you're singing about partying and pills and yeah. stuff. Maybe it doesn't come off as authentic and it comes off a little more party boy. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is. I mean, there, there's some, some part of it all together, you know, like, yeah. like, and, uh, like you could push the topics further because right. of it. I think it's interesting what you're talking about though, because there, I do think we all like, I was really, when I was a kid, I was really, I was really into like punk and hardcore and that kind of thing. But I was, I always really liked the idea trying to create something that uh where people would either like either like that guy either that guy's youth crew or he doesn't even know what it is. Like you know, like like some sort of perfect like is that guy just like a kid who goes to Catholic school or is he a hardcore kid? Right. Because he could be either, you know? Um, Especially that era of youth group because yeah. it's like champion hoodies, yeah. Nikes, like it's such an accessible look. Yeah. Like I, you know, I like I would wear a letter jacket, but it wasn't my school. Uh, right. It would be, you know, it would be, uh, it, but it would, I'd spend a lot of time on this. I'd think about it and I'd always yeah. want, want like, okay, well, if this pair of pants is ripped and actually has some black flag bars that I drew on, then I'm going to need a polo sweater. Mm-hmm. You know, so like just to turn and I, I thought I and I feel like we all have our own way of doing that. Do you yeah. think like you've always had a thing to be like an independent person? So even when you were going into some sort of subculture, you still wanted to remain. Yeah. And the fact remains that even though I was into, you know, whatever it was used to today, I also really liked tennis. And so <laughs> I wasn't like going to sell out either. 
Right. Yeah. But I think those things were very, I mean, like those, that early, like we've had Ray on the podcast, mm-hmm. like all those guys, but it was not jockey, but I mean, like they all use sports letters. Like those two things. Yeah. Seemed, it was pretty fucking jockey. It was pretty jockey. Yeah, like, was those pretty two jockey. things <laughs> seemed pretty compatible, especially that subculture. But, you know, Youth of the Crew was only one example. You know, right, I also right. really liked, uh, you know, hardcore. And there was a lot of, you know, there's there's Youth Crew, but then there's also like the Cro-Mags, which seems less jockey although they seem strong right but they're also more they're more street right Did you yeah know? but but jockiness and machismo are super tied in together and that shit is mad machismo yeah you know like true. and it's it is part of it and it's one of the reasons i think like hardcore and punk has been such a non-conducive place for women sometimes is because of this like overbearing macho-ness yeah. and sadly whiteness right uh-huh. which we've talked about in this podcast before because it drives me crazy yeah but yeah i can't imagine a girl being like i feel very included at this floor punch show <laughs> yeah like, <no. laughs> no. uh, i want to point out that i'm wearing a twitter hoodie oh. and it has my sister's handle on the side of it Wow. So wait, let's talk about such a thing. Yeah. Where Uh, does that come from? I don't know. My sister got it and I ended up with it because I think you can't really wear your own Twitter hoodie. Oh, Mm. so you have to well, are you gonna get her one that says yours on it? (laughs) No, she got this somehow. I don't even know. She must get a lot of cool stuff. She gets a lot of stuff. I get the I get the overflow kinda. Yeah. You know what I never (laughs) realized? I know, Craig, I'm sorry, you're the guest. No. But what I've never realized and perhaps you'd like to comment on is Jonah is in the beginning of Saturday Night Live. I did not realize that either. I never realized that in Vanessa's little Vanessa Bayer bit that Jonah's in the the image, yeah. And not only that, but this is my second time in it. I was actually in it her first two seasons, and then they changed it for two seasons, and then I've been back in the last Solid gold toilets for years. (laughs) You gotta blink and you'll miss it. It's pretty awesome. I mean that's Saturday. That's like some that, iconic shit. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'm I'm I've been what two or three three times. It's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of I've never access, been. but it's like it's like just. I mean, that's that's something since I remember that was yeah. that was the thing. That's the thing, and it's all so cool. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's hard to even. And I love when you're there and you can really you know because you think, of course it's live. It's Saturday Night Live, <laughs> but then when you see these sets moving and stuff. Yeah, so that's cool. the coolest part is the way it's so amazingly orchestrated. Yeah. Yeah. Like moving stuff and like live like hustle. Yeah. Like you see hustle. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's that's it's, very it's cool. It's not like loaders at a show where you're like like it's intense. I also I went to the <laughs> rehearsal one time and it was cool to see how like there was one skit that got big laughs and all of a sudden they moved it up. Right. You know? They moved oh, it up in the yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. like, yeah, because that was really funny. Yeah. Yeah, I remember one time when Gaslight did a late night show. I think it was Conan. All day we were watching this guy get painted up like the Hulk. Literally, this big bodybuilder guy comes into the studio, and we only saw him because, you know, they want you to, like, powder up before, you know, in case you're a little greasy, maybe, from your egg and cheese sandwich. (laughs) And, uh... Yeah, so, and I'm in there, and, you know, for hours, I'm watching this guy, this bodybuilder, get painted green, and it's taken so long 
And they rehearsed the sketch and just like, oh, Hulk smash this and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't that great. And then they asked I it? watched the guy leave at like, like with partial green fade all over him at like 530 and they never used the sketch <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. I, and I was like, yeah, I was kind of impressed in a way by that to like put so much work into something every day too. It's not like this is happening every week and to like still have the enough material to be able to like cut something you spend so much time on and like imagine be, you know it's like when you're going into the studio with a whole bunch of songs and like a song you might have thought was a real winner yeah you you, you lay it down and it's a real loser <laughs> you know <laughs> and you never know till you get there yeah i've seen sketches get cut just for time and stuff and that crazy part about that is like they'll build these in- intricate huge sets and it's just that's it right right how do those those people f- must feel like like set designers are maybe like the ultimate artists? Because you know, how like graffiti artists are like we. Some graffiti artists say we make the purest form of art because it's spontaneous and it's there in the moment. And it's going to go away, but a set designer might actually get screwed even faster than a graffiti artist. You know? Yeah, I guess you just sort of know that going into it, like. This might happen. It might not. I'm yeah. do my best. Did I tell you I got to go to a Game of Thrones set? No. So did I. In Belfast? Yeah. You went? We went there too, yeah. So cool. Yeah. That nice guy with the beard yeah. brought you? I'm pretty sure that was him. It yeah. Was, it was really cool. And I don't watch the show, but... Uh, oh my God, you're on Game of Thrones. I know. He's saying the song. I forgot. He recorded that here. That's right. We recorded it right here. You did? Yeah. yeah Wait, what? I, I forgot that's yeah. not even a, in my notes. We did... um. Uh, the Bear and the Maiden Fair yeah. song from Game of Thrones, and they came to us and asked if uh, the Old Steady would do a version of it. And it's a scene I have seen that episode. The guy loses his hand sure and then does. goes black, and then, and then you hear me. You are. <laughs> I was so yeah. stoked when I heard that, and now yeah. I'm glad I remembered so I can ask you. Because when I heard it, I was thinking about texting you, and then I was like, he probably just got like. 70 texts from all his nerd friends watching Game of Thrones <laughs> and it's probably super annoying and we know each other pretty well but not that well yeah. and there's people he knows better <laughs> that he's going like, to need oh, to respond no, to like, thanks man so I'm going to pass <laughs> so, I, so I decided to pass on texting you you can just put it into the out ether, of courtesy kinda, you know just say nice one out of courtesy yeah yeah thanks for that well there's a <laughs> thing you know going how back how the hell did that happen they they were fans the guys um Dan and Dave I believe their names are were just got in touch that being fans and I think the year before, the National had done a song. Right. There are these songs, I guess, in the books. So that was kind of um, something that they had uh, thought. And it seemed like a great, you know, it was it was a no-brainer. Yeah, we want yeah. to do that. Um, and it, it, any time of interface with television, you realize how much bigger TV is than music. Like, oh, yeah. like there, we were mentioned in a Lost episode, like just just mentioned like like Hurley was like would you want to go to a Hold Steady concert and all of a sudden like my phone like like it was like set fire but you know <laughs> put out a record and people like nice you got a record coming out yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I've always want you know that's funny you say that because like like when Clueless came out mm-hmm. right I was so offended that the Mighty Mighty Boston's were in that movie <laughs> I was like seriously you guys are cool you play City Gardens now you're in Clueless you know and now i'm like that's so awesome that song's in that movie it's so iconic yeah. they'll be remembered forever in this like cool thing 
And that's where I think, like, getting older is you give less fucks, I guess. Where, like, because if eight years ago someone was like, hey, Gazla, you want to be in this, like, silly movie about Cher Horowitz and going through high school in Beverly Hills or whatever, I'd be like, fuck that. Right. And I'd be all self-righteous about it. But now I'd entertain it at least. Sure. You know. It's fun. It's fun, you know, and, <laughs> it, and, and it doesn't matter that <laughs> no, much. No, you know? it doesn't. Yeah, nothing uh, matters that much. No, I Not, know. I know I mean, it doesn't. People used to get really upset about those So things. worked yeah. up. I was one of them. I got to admit yeah. it. I was yeah. a little jerk. Or like, like Rec being on like a major label, oh. like just like, oh, this band's dead. To Kiss the of death. Yeah, yeah. I crazy. definitely said I'll be dead before I sign to a major label and then sign to a major label. <laughs> I was, I would, definitely happened. I remember Everybody being, who signed said that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can't front. <laughs> I was like bummed when Jawbox went on tour with Stone Temple Pilots because oh. I thought that was like selling out. Yeah. But now I like Stone Temple. You know, like, right, like, like, right. like, what was wrong with that? That's just rock bands playing together. Yeah. Like, that was no political statement. And you feel like you, you know? have such a personal investment in it. And you're like, why did I care so much? It's like, great. It's great that you felt that way. It's what being a kid is about. Yeah. yeah. Taking it so seriously. Yeah, that's true. Well, God yeah. forbid that that disappears with all the licensing and the co branding and blah, blah, blah. Like, maybe that's not a thing anymore. Well, it is that sense of ownership that makes you so mad about it. Right. Because yeah. you felt like you were a part of this exclusive club yeah. who knew about this and thought it oh. almost you were graced to know jawbreaker and x amount of people shouldn't be allowed to exactly. know that that was a real thing that's a real thing i remember when when soul asylum uh got big and before they got really big but got big enough so that other people from my high school were going to their shows uh, they were I, they were getting big when you were in high school yeah in, oh yeah, in, 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 yeah. yeah in and i was already a pretty big fan i'd been to I'd say up to four of their shows already. So I felt like I should be at very least getting a lot of credit for right. being there early. If And it was kind of annoying these people were going anyways. You know, I would yeah. like if at least I had that to lord over them. And if they bought the shirt and wore it to school, I was like, I mean, I was certainly not going to be that. But at the same time, like growing up <laughs> in Ohio, band. if like I hadn't seen the video for somebody to shove, I never would have probably of heard of Soul Asylum. Of course. Yeah. And, um... That's well, a great it, debate, isn't it? And, and as an adult, like, you know, we're, we want our bands. We want people to hear our bands, right? Totally. Like our bands, come to the shows. Right. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I am, yeah, I am, uh, you know, I'm all for anyone coming to the show. Definitely. Not like, well, those guys, they weren't there last week. So. Yeah. But do you feel like at your shows now, because, especially Hold Stay shows, mm-hmm. like, because you guys have sort of crossed this thing, and I guess your band too, like, do you feel like there's an element of like, not these people don't get it, but just kind of like the people that just, that almost Jack Metelli where I just want to get fucked up, drunk, mm-hmm. like kind of like, this isn't kind of the opposite of why I got into this. <laughs> there's people at, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's some of that, you know, I mean, probably if you look out at the room, the people always in the back or by the bar, they're going to be like, it's weird. You know, you go to a show as an audience member, I go out a lot. And you really see, like, there's people here for many different reasons, mm-hmm. including getting fucked up. Right. Uh, trying to meet girls. Um, that's not a good place at a Hold Steady show to meet girls. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> um, really? I think, they, I don't, I'm not sure I've been to a Hold Steady show, but I would think your audience would be pretty mixed. Mm, very really? male, very a male. Oh, a lot of dudes. I didn't know that. 
Um, Interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I, and and it's crazy. We didn't. We did uh, about I don't know ten shows, maybe five five to ten shows with Dave Matthews one year, one summer, and it was weird. I mean, we played mainly to empty seats, and his fans were in the parking lot. And then when we got done, they came in and saw him. Right. Uh, but you know, it was an experience. And the one thing I definitely learned from that, like if you can get people to show up at your shows in groups of thirty, you're going to do really well. Because mm-hmm. like that's how that's how people enter a Dave Matthews concert. Right. So you, you never saw like two dudes just walking in. You know, you have to like get a whole group in the parking lot. And you stay there for hours. And like, well, that's how you grow from selling a thousand tickets to twenty thousand, right. thirty thousand. Well, about uh, nine cores lights is the only way I could unironically listen to Crash. But, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, and, and you know, 28 of those 30 don't really care. Right. Right. Uh, Just so, there but, for but like the thing. To the people, to the, it's the thing. Yeah. Know? It's an event. Yeah. It's, it's an event. event. And, it, and it was, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was enjoyable. Like, I, I'm glad we did it. And, and nothing, you know, it's not my type of music necessarily, but it, they were super great and pleasant. So, Again, that's my diplomacy coming out. It, I love it. I think you could run. <laughs> yeah? If you were to run, what would you run as? Uh, I don't know. Um, would you run as yourself or would you come up with some sort of like political alter ego? <laughs> <laughs> New name? Um, God, I don't know. That's I have, I have given little... I, as, What's your as, poor name? Let's start from there. Is that your... First it's pet and your, your and your mom's maiden name, a mom's maiden name and yeah. first pet. Poor I name. thought it was your childhood there's street. There's uh. there's your first, your middle name and the street you grew up on, and that, then your first pet and your mom's maiden name. Those are the two I know. The 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 street I grew up on is a better one. Then my name would be Alan Tamarack. Alan Tamarack. That would be uh, kind of... That's pretty good. And these seamless ads are Dude. almost like free ads already for your campaign. Yeah. Like you're already yeah. plastered on the subways. Yeah, yeah. So it's a jumping I'm off. I'm Alan the Tamarack, is, and I approve this message. <laughs> what, question yeah, that's is what not a so porn-ish. <laughs> it's, you know what would be good? Like, like uh, the mayor of, of, of uh, you know, not, not New York. <laughs> the the mayor of sort of a, a medium sized city because, would kind of be like that. Yeah, that's yeah. more like the gig because you just like I, I I don't know how much power you wield. Yeah, so you might just like show up at things. Are you looking for power? No, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of want to skate by with just like a lot of ribbon cutting. I see. Yeah, you don't want to have to make too many bad decisions about. No, you don't want to be like firing the chief of police or something. Well, no. what your years on the road and you know you're. You've lived in a lot of places. You, you've seen a lot of things. You might have a little dirt under your fingernails. Do you think you would have the ability to, like, take some kickbacks, uh, get greased up a little, <laughs> kind of, like, play politics? Or would you be, like, straight? Uh, I, you know, it seems like more fun to be that guy, right? Yeah. Also, and how about, do you like, think you're going to get those ribbons up yeah, if you're exactly. not getting greased by, by waste management? Sure. You know, by cement? I, you know, a couple of favors, some, these... some boys from the old neighborhood, I think. You know, I, would, <laughs> okay. I would do that. <laughs> so that means Alan Tamarack needs to run in the place you grew up. Yeah, it'd have sounds. to be Minneapolis, probably. Yeah. So uh, mayor of Minneapolis. Mayor of Minneapolis. Mm. Ah, I don't know. You can be like, I moved to New York. 
I saw these things, <laughs> and I'm going to bring it back here, this this chutzpah I've acquired, you know? Uh, I just had a flashback to when I saw you, and I was like, oh, at a party, I was like, oh, I should go say hi to Craig, and you were talking to Al Franken. Yeah, uh, at that SNL after yeah, party. Yeah, uh, and I was like, I'll get him later. Uh, yeah, Al Franken was uh, seated at my table, and uh, I'm a big fan, both from his... Uh, you know his political, his politics, and his, uh, and obviously being an SNL guy, which I'm obsessed with. So that was really fun, and uh, we talked. He, him, and I went to rival high schools. He's from Minneapolis, so uh, we we were kind of uh, riffing on that, and uh, uh, and actually, like that, I I actually one time the mayor of Minneapolis, uh, former mayor of Minneapolis, R. T. Ryback, came and uh, um, introduced the whole steady at a show, which was wow. pretty cool. Nice. See, you're, you know what. <laughs> We're talking about this in jest, but this could quickly become a reality. The Think bed, about it. You okay. have, you already have a social media presence. Yeah. I read your Tumblr just this morning. Uh, it's very old. <laughs> August last year is yeah. the last time yeah. you updated it, by the yeah. way. Not yeah. great. Not great. Not great. But, but you're 44. I'll give you a yeah. pass. <laughs> 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 but you already have, so you, you've already... I think been I established you're kind of like you're you're a celebrity in minneapolis so let's just say it let's call a spade a spade i mean <laughs> it's not the biggest town in the world they might be a little mad at you that you left but listen kevin garnett just came back yeah and you can always come they back. still love, they love you when you come back and my heart right? my, my heart's there you know you're I mean, minneapolis yeah I'm all so i say you, you got to go back before you run and establish a presence. Yeah, you got to yeah. like, you got to put the pelt back in <laughs> Make your Make it look coat. like you came back I not to like run for the mayor. idea of what happens though when when you run for something. I don't know if when you run for mayor they start digging stuff up on you. <laughs> sure they do. But there's stuff to dig up, you know? Like yeah. you're in a rock band, there's drugs and alcohol yeah, and but things, these, you know? this day and age Everyone. You just own it. Yeah. You just yeah. own all that. You're like, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> that was crazy. You can say that now. <laughs> yeah. You know? I or guess. You, or you just act like Donald Trump. Someone says that and you're like, yeah, you're a loser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're a loser. That's, yeah. Look at the polls. <laughs> yeah. Alan Tamarack's 15 points ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> or you just claim you're born born again and it's all a race. Oh, yeah. That like, would be the thing. Yeah. That would be the thing. You go born I again. Think, yeah. Because like. We I, a, I was raised Catholic, but that doesn't count for born. Like that's not good enough for. Well, so I could have a conversion. There you go. Baptized in the Mississippi. Yeah, I yeah. see it. I see uh, it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we have a writer. Yeah. All right, let's get this going. Yeah, let's do it. I'll be your uh, Jewish press secretary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely need like a New York sidekick yeah. to like drive home. Like, this is what I've learned. <laughs> Listen, yeah. Tamarack, this is what we're gonna do. <laughs> see. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm I think, to think what, what, what the platform would be, but maybe that's not important right no, now. No platforms. No. Um, <laughs> I think more let's um, delve into your style, Tamarack style. I think you shouldn't just wear your typical blue suits. Like I think you need kind of He's like, every a, man. you need like a fashion thing, something to set you apart, you know, like a, maybe like a, a Technicolor coat, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what about the fedora we were talking about earlier? Ooh, the rat pack. Any politicians yeah. do fedoras? I think you should go back to your to, to the letter jacket. The, yeah, the letter. <laughs> oh, that's a that. look, man. Get a letter jacket from you the don't Minneapolis think high the school. The non-hardcore crowd would just be like, "Why are you 
Dressing like a high school kid. <laughs> yeah, like, why does that guy do that? Like, Tamarack's out of sync. He doesn't this guy thinks he's in high school. This guy thinks- <laughs> yeah, that'll be your windsurfing picture. You don't, yeah. you don't know no varsity jackets. Oh, that'll you're out. Conver- That's your Benghazi and a convertible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that would be like maybe like it is kind of like the letter jacket could be kind of a. Going back to something pure, sock hops and drive-ins. Yeah, make Minneapolis great again. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. All right. What about running mate? Someone from Dillinger Ford. Yeah, Patrick Costello probably. Easy, right? Uh, Sean Tillman, Harmar Superstar, uh, would be a good one. Um, He just moved back, right? He just, uh, or at least he's in the process of it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's there laying the groundwork. But I sort of feel like... Neither of those guys strike me as vice anything. Yeah. Like they're they're kind of the main event. That's true. Any relationship <laughs> to to the Prince camp at all? No. 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 Because you I would haven't. need his endorsement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um that that would that that's real that's mayor. tough. That's tough. Release uh, Dove's first press conference. <laughs> call to him. You know, be like, This is a call to you, Prince. Release the doves. See if you get a response. You know, maybe send letters like, you know, you watch Game of Thrones, send little letters in their talons. Dubs have talons? No, they send it on their wrists. Oh, is that what happens? (laughs) They don't just hold them? (laughs) 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 Little like stick and bindles? No, that's not Drop it on the desk because they fly by. (laughs) It's a drone. The original drone. Tamarack should have. He should definitely have one of those... uh, wax stampers for your letters to oh, yeah. seal your letters yeah you think that's the, the little things are going to get me there that's exactly you, that's your security you're in like, this day and age, you're man. the you're the grassroots <laughs> candidate you know so you need to do those little touches yeah, uh, yeah. i think right. that doesn't help. seem elitist yeah. the wax stamp in minneapolis it sounds like a little elitist to me you think you got to Go like a little more every man with He's it. He's the every man. I'm telling you. Yeah, but I, what's more every man than that? That's like I don't know. I'm lacking it old school. That's 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 old fashioned. That's that means not you need a thing of melted wax around while you're working, <laughs> which is like that's kind of cool. Craig, do you feel like you're losing control of your campaign? Uh, <laughs> I, I've decided to uh, terminate my campaign. It's. it's uh, it's been a, through hours of prayer. I love how they they always they prayed they prayed about it, and this is what's happened. Yeah, I'm a uh, eight hundred percent down in the polls, so I've prayed and I've just decided to drop. Out. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Alan Tamrak's out. <laughs> Tamrak uh, out. <laughs> All right. Hey, that was fun. Phew. Gold. Yeah. Total gold. Solid gold. I think that's a hit. I think that might be a hit. Yeah. yeah I think it'd be... Solid. Solid. <laughs> it's going to get in the uh, top. Not soft. Yes. I'd like to um, thank our advertisers. Oh, wait. We don't have any. <laughs> um, I'd like to thank Game of Thrones for... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the free ad. And I'm sure the Hold Steady and Game of Thrones really need me to talk them up. <laughs> Both really struggling. Um, but yeah, it, we do not have any advertisers. Uh so if you want to support this podcast, you can go to goingofftrack.com, donate a dollar if you want, or $2. Um, or if you don't want to do that, you can leave us a free review on iTunes. You can tweet at us that you liked it. We've gotten like a lot of really nice messages lately. That's very cool. Um, 
What else? I can't think of anything. I'm not really. We could just wrap it. Yeah, you can wrap it. Um, I just want to give a little shout out to myself. I just uh, updated my website, jonahbear.com. If you want to see what what I've been working on, I got all my kind of articles, podcasts, band stuff, sound advice. It's all kind of, it's all there if you want to stalk me. Rock on. And uh, yeah, thanks to Rubber Tracks. Thanks to Craig and Benny. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with another amazing episode next week. (laughs) 